the Whistler Podcast, candid conversations about everything Whistler, with host Bear Jack Crompton. Hello, everyone. I'm Jack Crompton. Welcome to the Whistler Podcast. As always, we acknowledge that we live, we work, we play on the traditional territory of the Liwat Nation and the Squamish Nation. I want to thank Mount FM for having us in studio today in our um, series of interviews uh, about the 2010 Olympic and Paralympic Games. We are uh, visited today by Paralympian Lindsay Dabu. Thank you for joining us, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. It's a true honor. All right. I'm going to tell our guests a little bit about you. You work currently with uh, the Resort Municipality of Whistler. That's correct. Um, but uh, you were born in North Vancouver. You began skiing in Whistler when you were three years old, and later you became a member of the Whistler Mountain Ski Club. You started alpine racing in the early 1990s, and in 2001 decided to pursue other interests, and you traveled the world. Um, when you returned, you got a degree in psychology at the University of Victoria, um, and in 2009, you joined the Canadian Paralpine ski team as a guide for an athlete with a visual impairment and immediately in- fell in love with that role. So later today, we're going to talk about your 2010 experience. We're going to hear about the medals that you won and uh, get a sense for what that was like. But before we do, we want to talk a little bit about your work here in Whistler. Um, I wanted to start, you before you moved into bylaw services, you were at the library for a long time. Um, and a lot of the celebrations that we're going to be doing over the next little while are at the library. Tell us about the library and tell us why there's some, the, tell us about the special connection to the games and, uh, and your experience. Working. Yes, well my experience is this, the conversation about having the library really started concurrently with the games. Mm-hmm. It was a need in our community to have an amazing space like the library. So I feel that the Olympic and Paralympic Games was the reason why we got that amazing space. And it was special to me because I was there as a participant, as well as I got a job at the library. I mean, that's pretty cool to live in Whistler and then get a job in a place that you was so special. And it's so special to me right now as it's an amazing space for people to see the programs. Yeah. Yeah, we talked in an earlier podcast about uh, an article that Brandon Barrett had written about the library, and he wrote a love letter to the library and how it is really a living room for people in our community who may not have a living room in the space that they live in. Um, And it's become, I think, probably one of the major legacies of the Olympics is that facility uh, being the best-used a built public building in our Absolutely. Community. And there's up to a thousand people per day yeah, yeah. that are coming to our own living room in the community. What other place can say that? Yeah. It's pretty cool. And it was Canada House during the games. Obviously you were competing so weren't working at the library at the time, but do you did you visit Canada House at all during the games? Yeah, so one of the special things that we got to do during the games, if you won a medal, yeah. you were celebrated. You felt like a rock star <laughs> coming into the library. It was so special. You would also see all your friends and family because we were in our hometown. Yeah. It was on layer on layer of special things that happened in yeah. that building. So uh, a lot of the uh, sort of... Um, events that we're going to do to celebrate the um, 2010 Olympic Paralympic Games are actually at the library. Mm-hmm. So we have Olympic-themed story time, yes. uh, which is February 14th, 21st, and 28th. 
We have a breakfast of champions pancake breakfast. Um, we have Olympic-themed crafts. We have um, the meet Sumi, the, the Olympic. Do you remember Sumi from the games? Yeah, Sumi is the Paralympic, and his favorite thing is hot chocolate. Okay. My favorite thing is hot chocolate. We have a lot in common, so I'll definitely be checking out okay. Sumi. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, just just a reminder to our community to get out and to celebrate those things and get up to the library over the next couple of months to celebrate 10 years, 10 years from the Olympic Paralympic Games. It's, it's gone by so fast. It really has. Yeah. Okay. And then we also wanted to talk today about November 15th. Vivian Forrest was uh, inducted into the Paralympic Hall of Fame. And we'll hear more about Vivian later, mm -hmm. but she was your partner in, in the games and you worked with her very closely. Yes. Tell us about that induction event. Uh, tell us about uh, Vivian becoming part of the Paralympic Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, it was really special because it was, of course, Vivian got inducted, but many other athletes did. And it was a time to celebrate their career as a whole. And it really showcased all of the hard work, the dedication, the sweat, Everything that goes into being an athlete is showcased at that night. And it was a really special time for us to also reconnect. We hadn't seen each other in a few years. It was a really uh, happy night for us to share. Mm. And so where was it? It was held in Vancouver, so uh, pretty close to here. Yeah, yeah. And how many people were inducted? There was seven. Seven inductees. Yes. And do they, do, do they induct people into the Paralympic Hall of Fame every year? Every second year, people are inducted into the Paralympic Hall of Fame. Okay. So there will be another event in two years. So what was the experience of that evening like? The best part was there was a video that captured a highlight reel of all of our skiing, as well as special stories from our friends and our families. It was really emotional to yeah. be there at that event because it brings you back to all the experiences and all the emotions that we had as being athletes and bringing ourselves to that moment in time where we were here at the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Huh. Very cool. Well, congratulations to her and congratulations to you. Thank you. You are listening to the Whistler Podcast. Candid conversations on current events, local government, and everything Whistler. So uh, we asked you to come in and talk to us today because uh, of your participation in the 2010 uh, Olympic Paralympic Games. Tell us about that experience. How did you get to that point in your life? How did you end up in Whistler? Um, tell us about approaching the games 10 years ago. Yeah, well, it probably started in the 60s with my grandpa. Okay. My grandpa had the foresight to know that Whistler was going to be the place to be. So he bought uh, land in the 60s and then taught my dad to ski and my dad taught me to ski. Wow. And so skiing's been in our family since the beginning of time for us. And that's what started my passion. I started here when I was three years old on the hill. And where, where was the land that they bought in the 60s? In Emerald. In Emerald. Yes. My dad, when he was 35, bought five pieces of land in Emerald for like no money and yeah. then sold them three years later for like triple the value yes. and like patted himself on the back for the rest of it. Well, not the rest of his life because in retrospect, had he held on to that land? Oh my goodness. I know. Unbelievable. So yeah. uh, um, you uh, were skiing in uh, as, a, as a child up here. Um, 
Tell me about getting involved in uh, the Paralympic movement. You're a ski racer at the time. You've taken some time away. Yes. And how do you find yourself on snow again? Yes. Uh, talking to people about uh, Paralympics. Well, I was in a transition point in my life. I find a lot of people are in their 20s. They're trying to figure out what they want to do. And a friend of mine that I was working with at a local golf course here in Whistler yeah. was on the team and said, hey, I think you've got the right personality for this. Why don't you just come to the first camp, try out and see if it works. If it doesn't, doesn't matter. And I was in love the first minute. I said, this is where I want to be. This is my two-year plan, my road to the next phase of my life. And had you been skiing or did you, had you taken a break completely from skiing? I had taken quite a bit of a break. I mean, I, it's kind of common for some people. You're on the hill two or 300 days a year. It's, it becomes something that you sometimes need to take a bit of a rest. And then I was, I was ready to get back on my skis again. I'd been through some injuries recovered. I felt strong. I felt that that was where I was supposed to be again. And was the first camp here? Uh, no, our first camp was in this unique training location called Faram. It was created specifically for all the alpine skiers to in Canada to train. There's no lifts there. It's on an isolated glacier. You need a helicopter or a snowcat to do each of your runs. And we're the only ones on the hill. Only Paralympians? And alpine Olympians as well. Where is this? <laughs> it's it's in Alberta. Uh, it's very obscure location. You probably you've never heard of it. You've Area Fifty One. Yeah, it sounds pretty much like it's, it's, it's middle of nowhere. No one's allowed to go there, and Lindsay Debu has spent time in this secret location. Yes, you're camping there. Basically, you're intense. Okay. Um, it's a very unique experience. You're going all in at this point. You are with the team you're going to be spending your next two years with. Either you're going to love it or... or wow. Not. Okay. Fascinating. That's the first time I've ever heard about yeah. Farm. And if, is Farm still... No, it doesn't exist anymore. It's a very expensive location, and I don't even know if there's access there anymore. So do you know if it was specific to the 2010 games? Like, yeah, okay. it was. It, in the early days, that's why it was created, because what happens is when we're training in Europe or even for training on the glaciers here, we're fighting for space. Yeah. So you basically you've got a very small window of training space there, we had the whole glacier to ourselves. Yeah. I mean, imagine having the Dave Murray downhill yeah. to yourself. That's incredible. That's what it was like. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Canadian government at that point was putting all resources into preparing our Olympic and Paralympic teams for the 2010 games. And so it maybe made more sense at that time than it does now. That's right. And we had a tremendous amount of resources for our team. It was an exceptional time for us. Huh. So, you, you've you decided that this is something you want to do. Tell us about meeting Vivian. Yeah, so originally we weren't paired together. We were paired with some, each had another pair. And it was later seen that we were a perfect match. We shared the same passion for the sport. We also had a very similar work ethic. And we like to take a few risks. And when you're skiing as a visually impaired person and you only have 4% of your vision, every day is the worst foggiest day you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. You got to trust the person in front of you. Yeah. And the whole team part of it is really what makes or breaks the relationship. All of us are getting ready for the games. It's January. Uh, your, your mind is focused. Your partnership is probably at its highest. What are you doing at that point in preparation for the Paralympics? Yeah, at that point, we are starting to wind down on our actually training on the skill set, but we're training now on making sure we're fully rested, getting our mental game. Okay. 
that's what we're thinking about being positive and relaxed and also enjoying the experience. Yeah. Sometimes you forget that. And were you in Whistler uh, while the Olympics were taking place? For most of it, we were in another training camp preparing okay. our process. I did get to see a few of the events live, but most of them we were watching from TV and we were cheering on our yeah. fellow Canadians. While training. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so we kind of skipped over it, but tell me about Vivian. Tell me about her as a person and as an athlete. Yeah. Well, Vivian, if you meet her, you will never forget her. Okay. She is albino. Yeah. So she's she's got starking blonde hair. Uh, she lights up any room and she is so disciplined. She is such a hard worker. She is so passionate and she also helps everybody around her. She's always looking out for the people around her. That's what makes her a very good person. Yeah. And how long did she compete as a Paralympian for, or as a, as a uh, para-athlete? In, in Alpine, over a decade, and then she was also in another sport called goalball um, for visually impaired in the summer games. So she is an Olympian, Paralympian for the summer and winter. Huh. And what's goalball? Goalball is a game for visually impaired. It's a team sport as well. They have a ball with a little bell in it that they try to cross to make a goal. Okay, That's all right. Goal ball. Okay. Um, okay, so we are, uh, you, the Olympics have finished. We chatted with Ken Melman, and he said that for him, the Paralympics were sort of this the, the the best surprise of the whole experience that you're you you hear about the Olympic and Paralympic games you kind of know what to expect around the Olympics but the Paralympics surprises you and it's one of the most uh, sort of um, the best memories that that he has of the event so Olympics are done I imagine are you moving into the athletes village at that point yeah, well, we actually weren't in the village because our coaches wanted us to be very close to the hill. So we were actually staying at Legends. So we could just literally put our skis on and we were right there on the hill ready to go, which is easier for us to access um, for our team. And do you have access to the course, you know, for the full week leading up to the event? Um, well, for the downhill, you do get a training run and inspections, but it's run similarly to the Olympics where you only have access during periods of time. But you were saying earlier, you have to, do, if you're going to be a Paralympian, you have to do all five events or you're not allowed to compete. That's right. So you're doing slalom, GS, uh, super combined, downhill, and super G. Over five days? Uh, it is in over five days. They're not that, uh, they don't, yeah, not yeah. trying to torture us, yeah, yeah, yeah. but over a course of a week. Yes. It's back to back to back to back. Wow. You must've been exhausted. Yeah. It is exhausting because you have to be on, you want to be on that morning. You want to peak. This is the time that you need to peak in your life. Yeah. If it's going to be any time in your yeah, life, yeah, you need yeah. to peak in this period of time. Okay. So the downhill, uh, what's happening on the day of the downhill Walk me through it. Yeah, the downhill, we had perfect conditions. It was amazing because it was sunny outside. I remember I remember being on the hill. I remember feeling calm. I remember feeling ready. I remember just knowing this was our, our moment. And we were ready to just let go. We weren't working on anything. We were just working on having fun and flying down the mountain. Literally, I had the best time, two, two minutes, the best of my life. Like huh. I remember being in the start gate, and we were just ready to go. Yeah. And um, so gold medal in 
The downhill, The correct. downhill. And then what are the results in the rest yes, of the Yes, we events? got three silvers and a bronze. So we got to have all the colors of the games. All which, the colors of the games. Which is pretty exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, we, we like to have all the gold ones, but... <laughs> and um, a guide is a Paralympian. Tell me about that. Yeah. If you imagine it, we both need each other to make it down the hill. Yeah. We're like a bobsled team. Mm-hmm. You need all the people on the bobsled team... Uh, we ski at 120 kilometers an hour. We're only four meters apart. So it's a very close connection and we're, both of us are in it to win. Mm-hmm. So you have these medals yourself. Have you worn them all at the same time? <laughs> That's a good question. Everyone The Mark that. Spitz photo yes. of like yes. the, all the medals at the same time? You got to do it at least once, right? You do? Okay. They, so you, you have that photo of all the medals. Yes, on we both do. Time. Unfortunately, when, when they're, they do scratch very easily, you know, when you get a new car and it scratches uh-huh. and you're upset about it. So you don't do it too often. Huh. Okay. So what... Tell me about your favorite memories of the games. Uh, tell me about the, those things that you'd, you'd, you enjoy sharing and telling stories about. Yeah, you know, my favorite memory, it's unique. And maybe actually, I think you'll appreciate this. Everyone was so happy. Yeah. It was the happiest time people were in Whistler. Yeah. It was a euphoric moment. I think every, if everyone this week can bring themselves back to that moment yeah. of that excitement and Everything was so pristine. Transportation was perfect. Yeah. Literally, you would walk on the street, and if you needed a bus, it was like a shuttle system. You weren't waiting very long. Yeah. It was like our resort was on steroids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we still are. We're, we're still magic, and <laughs> yeah. because of the games. Yeah. But my yeah, my favorite thing is how happy everyone was. Yeah, it was an amazing time. It really was. Uh, Ken Melmoth talked about the fact that we don't often. Uh, put 50,000 people all in the resort at the same time. And we did that for two months. We had 50,000 people here and the village just did its job and it was a terrific experience for everyone. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a happy, happy time. It was sure. flawless. Nobody yeah. was complaining. Everyone was on the same team. Yeah. We had our hometown advantage. Everybody wanted the Canadians to do well and we were all cheering together, yeah. which was a unique time. And I think if we bring yeah. ourselves back to that yeah. moment we can understand what a special place this is and understand all the planning that started, you know, very early days. This is what we made the resort to be. We made the resort a four season place. Yeah. And we got to host a tremendous event that the world's watching. I agree. What is your favorite Paralympic memory? What will stick in your head forever and ever and ever? Well, crossing the finish line and looking at the scoreboard with Vivian, we were... So she can't see the scoreboard, so you're telling... her eyes at all times. And so I wasn't going to play any tricks on her. (laughs) We lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm giving her play-by-play on what's happening. We still had to wait for the other racers to come down. So we were number one when we came down, but you never know what can happen. Yeah. So we were biting our fingernails as other racers were coming down. And the moment that we found out that we had won, we were ecstatic. Yeah. It was such a special moment for both of us. And all the hard work and dedication paid off and relaxed. And did you continue skiing together after the games or was that your last? That was my last race with Vivian. Wow. Um, and she retired shortly later. Huh. Yeah. So I and I knew in my mind going into it that I was going to retire at that point in time. Yeah. 
I wanted to, I guess, end on top. And then, and you did. Yeah. Now I'm here with my friends and my family and living in the resort. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for being a great host. Uh, a big thank you to Mountain FM and for having us here in the Whistler studio. Thanks for listening. I am Jack Crompton. See you next time. You've been listening to the Whistler podcast. Candid conversations about everything Whistler. To find out more about the Whistler podcast, visit whistler.ca slash whistlerpodcast.